0: Welcome to Deconstructing Conventional, a show that's unafraid to challenge the status quo. We are eager to question our assumptions, to find wrong turns in our thinking, and take on controversial topics. This show is brought to you by True Whole Human, a coaching business that helps clients find the first principles that lead to better health and better living. I'm your host, Christian Elliott. I'll do my best to stay curious and humble. You do the same, and we're both bound to learn something. Welcome to the show. Prepare to have your thinking stretched. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode three of Deconstructing Conventional. So if you listened to last episode, you got to hear me deconstruct what we have come to call conventional medicine. And really, in the final estimation, in my opinion, we've kind of found a system that is lacking. It doesn't actually deliver on many of the promises of what it's supposed to be doing to help us get well. And so today, rather than just talk about what's not working, I'd like to pivot a little bit and give you some of kind of what I would call the first principles of health transformation, some philosophical underpinnings to say, whoa, there's a very different way I can be thinking about my health. So really, if if you've been frustrated by your efforts to get well, if you've had some mysterious symptoms or recurring symptoms or just things you can't seem to get in front of related to your health, then I think you really may like this episode because I'm going to help teach you how to think differently to go about creating the, the better health that you're looking for. So it's not an uncommon situation for me to find people or collect clients who feel like they've tried everything. They've just been through the gamut. So if you've been frustrated by different diets or the medical merry-go-round or the alternative merry-go-round, or maybe you've even dabbled in some health coaching and you just haven't found what you've been looking for, stick around because I really think today might open your eyes and help you think differently. So um, Really, you probably know that the definition of insanity is, is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And recognizing that one of the places people get stuck in their journey to get well is that they, they take the same approach. So we go medical and then we go, we go to the alternative world and then we'll try coaching and we'll just try all these different modalities. But really, it's often a tactics-based approach and there's a different way to think about it and if we can change the way we approach the project of managing our health we can actually start to change our results so really what i want to do in this podcast is about four things that's one is just deconstruct some of the cultural underpinnings or the water we swim in some of the assumptions we bring to the effort to get well without recognizing that's what we're doing and then do my best to kind of lay a better foundation so you can see, oh, man, if I operated that way, yeah, a health breakthrough is almost inevitable. So I'm going to discuss really kind of what I I'll, – I'll maybe limit myself to the f- the first principles of three main ones, and you'll hear other ones filtered in through there. But the kind of three main health principles that are – really the underpinnings of getting the uh, enjoying the health that you're looking for. So and then finally, I want to show you a method of how not to be overwhelmed with mystery and complexity and just learn to embrace it, learn to think of it as a puzzle that's fascinating, and realize there are so many different ways you can get leverage over what has been bogging you down, and the opportunity to get well is right there in front of you. So to back up and just kind of deconstruct a little bit about the cultural underpinnings we live in, it's it's very much as I talked about in the last episode, we live in a reductionist world where we really specialize, where we prize reductionism and trying to tease things apart into their parts. And really what that's left us to do as as individuals is we kind of have to practice our own integrated medicine. We live in this world where everything's siloed and it's competitive and there's niches for everything. And, you know, in the medical world, you've got a doctor for almost every body part. You've got foot doctors and ear, nose and throat and gastroenterologists and on and on through the different specialties. And it's like they're all a system of parallel trenches. They're siloed and nobody bothers to pick their head up and look around the landscape and say, what else is going on? What are you learning over there? It's not set up to be collaborative. And that's unfortunate because while riches can be found in niches, health isn't. And riches can actually be lost in niches, too. If you've been through a whole lot of depth in the medical alternative or coaching realm, you can blow a lot of money Trying to find answers and lose riches, trying to get well, so hopefully what to, what i'll I'll be able to do today is help you get past that. so I wanted to start with a a story so there's several years ago one of my wife's childhood friends you know we were we reconnected after many years of not talking and and just gotten catching up on her story and really just hearing the breadth of the number of ways her health challenges have come out of nowhere seemingly and the specialist after specialist after specialist she went to, and the the number of tests and the different opinions. And at the end of several years, just nobody had seemed to be able to help her. And I'm hearing this story about all the different specialists. And she's asking, do we we know another specialist who might be able to help me with this, that, or the other? And I kind of had the thought, I can't remember if I expressed this verbally or just thought it, but I thought, you know, maybe instead of a specialist, (laughs) we need to find her a generalist, right? And that really got me thinking about the power of words. And if you think about you juxtapose generalist and specialist. If you've got a health situation going on, what would you prefer a general answer or a special answer, right? The, the answer to that's it's in the word special. We all want to feel like, oh, there's somebody who has an understanding of my special specific problem. And in reality, I think it'd be more accurate to juxtapose generalist from partialist, right? there's there's somebody who has, by profession, chosen to ignore context and zoom in on a part of the problem. And if we were to generalize or if we were to juxtapose generalist and partialist, we could more accurately frame, okay, well, maybe a little bit of both would be helpful. Maybe there would be a, a better way I can start approaching moving my health forward. And so the, the thing that may not have occurred to you, but it slowly helped sink into me over the years of, you know, we had a brick and mortar location. We had a lot of different alternative practitioners, as you'd call them. We had a lot of different ways that we could help people. And what I realized after a while is even in the alternative world, it's still really the same approach. It's in the drug world or in the medical world, you have drugs. And in the alternative world, you have supplements. And in the medical world, you have surgeries. And in the alternative world, you have therapies. And in the You know, in the medical world, you have physical therapy that insurance can pay for. In the alternative world, you have personal trainers who do corrective exercises. And it's just, it really is somewhat still symptom management or symptom whack-a-mole. It's this different thing has broken down and ouch, and now I should probably finally find someone who can help me. And after you've, if you listened to last podcast, you got a sense of this is the mindset or philosophy of the medical community, and eventually as that gets worn out or as that produces the inevitable symptom upon symptom upon symptom upon not really getting you to a place of health, just a place of management of symptoms, then you look to alternative and if we don't realize that that's just one sliver of what it takes to be well. It's not the whole solution. It's not that there's one person out there who's got the answer. And so whichever world you end up with, you you hopefully we can start to think, okay, let me have a a realistic context to put that discipline into and it's it doesn't take long of thinking differently before the clouds start to part and so really my sincere hope today is you say oh wait a minute i there's a different way i hadn't seen this problem i hadn't seen my situation that way yet so i want to start and just kind of zoom out philosophically and it may sound like a funny place to start but i want to ask you what does it take or what makes for a well lived life What does success feel like is a very different question than what does success look like, right? All of us, if we are honest with ourselves, you go to your heart of hearts and just wrestle with the question, like, what would feel like a successful life? And what I can promise you is that people are involved in that picture. And you could have the best health and a gold medal because you won something in the Olympics. And if you don't have any friends that's not going to feel successful. Or you could make all the money in the world and not have your health, and that wouldn't feel successful. And we mix this any way you want, right? You're super well-known and you're broke. Like Whichever way we try to move through life, if we don't have a holistic or a well-rounded perspective on what success is, we can go through life, and objectively, by other people's standards, we could say they look successful, but does it feel that way? And without a breadth of how we want to think about health or wellness, recognizing that we all have a multifaceted definition of success, then we can start to ask the questions, well, okay, what trade-offs am I going to have to make to have a more well-rounded, successful life where I get to actually feel successful in different areas? So another story I had is I, you know, a few years ago, I had a client who was a naturopath and her husband was a chiropractor. And so I'm doing this intake of getting to know her situation. And realizing these two people are fantastic at their discipline and what they do and their ability to help people and yet their health isn't great and 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 the wife in particular her her health is failing and i'm i'm listening to the number of different ways that they are almost ships passing in the night they're so busy with what they do that I kind of the showstopper question I asked was: Is there a golden ticket at the end of all this hard work? Like, where are we going with all this? What is going to make that much effort worth it? And so, you fast forward a year, they're they're thinking about life very differently. They're rearranging their business model and they're finding ways to free up time. And they are they bought an RV and they're looking at joy and adventure and realizing that we can run after money hard. We can run after professional accomplishments or any number of things. And if we're too siloed, if we're too focused on one area, we miss that the other areas where we don't get to feel successful create a different level of burden. It starts to show up in our physical body. And so with that, if we can kind of zoom out and uh, and realize that what this life is all about, not lose the plot, that we're trying to live a well-rounded life and we're our definition of success is always going to be multifaceted. And when we can approach it that way, we usually can lay a better foundation, ask better questions and figure out how to develop a strategy to move ourselves forward. So those that's kind of the underpinnings of, of where I wanted to start this one. And so the first principle that I think none of us are going to disagree with is the reality that none of us gets out of this alive, like if we can just start with that, as the recognition of life in this world, with no you know, apologies to the transhumanists who think they're going to upload their genitals and brain to the cloud, and they're going to live forever and somehow beat death. Sorry, that's not going to happen. But the rest of us know that life is short, and that can be a morbid thought, or it can be a liberating thought. It can be a thought that lets you say, okay, how am, I, how am I going to squeeze as much life as possible out of this journey? And as we get older, one thing we want to accept is that the amount of time that has to go into our health, or just the level of effort that takes to maintain the health we've got naturally increases, right? The warm-ups before our workouts get longer. The speed at which we can complete that hike takes a little bit longer, right? There are just natural ways that we slow down, and we can begrudge that, or we can embrace it. We can say, yeah, that's that's part of life. So I'd, I like to say I, I'm not anti-aging, actually. I'm, I'm pro-aging gracefully. I'd like to think of defining myself by what I'm for and recognizing that there's nothing we can do to put a force field around us that makes us impervious to the aging process, right? I've I've yet to confuse a 90-year-old for a 20-year-old. There's just something that happens as we get older, and this this life is short and it's precious. And so, yes, I do believe that we can compress disease and disability into the last few days or weeks or months of life, and, and that a good life is possible that's mostly pain-free and sickness-free. That's a category because we've seen so many people live that. It's less common today, but it does happen. So we can turn our attention to what does it take to make something like that happen. And if we've been too siloed, if we've been focused on one area of life where we're trying to really move the needle to be successful, and we realize that we're neglecting the other ones, and the feeling, the pleasure of of looking at life and saying, I, I do feel like a success has eluded us, then we can step back and start to ask some other questions. And we can say, okay, well, then if I have health debt, if I have accumulated neglect on my body. And now my body's bearing the symptoms of not feeling well. How would I approach thinking more holistically? How would I approach this and not have to give up being success in other areas of life and just shift my focus from financial success or relationship success or professional success into health now? And, And we just ping pong back and forth and neglect those. So if you can take on a more strategic approach and say, well, what would it take to pay back that health debt? And you can make super aggressive payments against the health debt. And sometimes there's a season of life that lets you do that. Or you can take a slow and steady, methodical one, but it at least reminds you of the plot of what this life's about and what it takes to be healthy. We can start there. And our, a reality is, you know, truthfully, I could give you so many health habits to practice that I could fill just basically every available waking hour and you wouldn't have time for anything else. So, Let's Maybe we don't go to that extreme, but what does it take in my situation to start to move the needle? And it's really easy to judge other people when we see the compound effect of the choices they've made and the, the results of where their choices have gotten them and to say they should do this, that, or the other. And and to recognize that you're not living their life, you're not in their shoes, and and especially in 70s, 80s, 90s when you're getting toward the twilight, the golden years of life, and you're really wanting to squeeze as much life out of it. To, if you have accumulated health debt, or if you've got creaky joints and a lot of different challenges, over time, that the volume of effort to pay back that's going to increase, and we want to be able to look at that, and like what would I have to trade off to do that? I never have ice cream again. I never have wine. I never eat bread. I always work out five hours a day, and like at some point, we're we're missing out on some of the other sweet parts of life, and so I I say that, or I frame it that way to help you. One, pump the brakes on judgment a little bit and just start to think more strategically and let people live their lives. But do your best to be a good steward of the life you have and to genuinely, fascinatedly wrestle with the trade-offs of what it would take for you to be healthy. So the way I think about it, if if I'm trying to categorize the areas of life that are really worth the investment. I have I basically boiled it down to four areas of life. I would hope that it said of me as I, the older I get, the more I've grown in each of these areas. And so th- those four areas are relationships, finances, health, and worldview, or you could call it spirituality or faith. There's there's an element of um, knowing something about all four of those. The more we mature in those, the more every aspect of life gets better and easier And we squeeze more joy out of our days that we have. So I'm going to basically just talk about the health one today. I'll probably do other podcasts about the individual ones. But recognizing that, okay, a multifaceted definition of health is going to include those things. It's going to include relationships, finances, health, and spirituality on some level. So so the first principle that none of us can get out of this alive is where we start. The next one is that health is about wholeness. And so I've been using the word health a lot and I'm assuming we have our terms defined, but let me let me step back and see if we can get more precise about that. So health is about doing a lot of little things right over time. But more more specifically, what is health? And so if you want to look up health in the dictionary, you're going to find that the people who wrote the dictionary did not stretch themselves much to come up with a definition of health. And you'll you open the dictionary and you find really, unhelpful stupid definitions like freedom from symptom or named disease which is okay that's what it's not they haven't defined what it is and that would be like defining marriage as not being single like but what is the institution of marriage like what is that thing so if it's not if we don't want to define it by what it's not sometimes they really stretch themselves and they'll come up with a definition something like soundness of body and mind which begs the question what is soundness who of us is not going to say i have soundness and of a body and mind. Like I don't even know what that means. So over the years, we have tried to come up with a better definition of health, to give ourselves a target to aim at, to be able to look at it and say, oh yeah, I have that, or I don't have that. And so I I basically over the years have come up with about 14 things that we could look at that objectively everyone's like, yeah, no, that would be described as something healthy or unhealthy. So I'm gonna read you the 14 different things. And as I do that, kind of just take inventory yourself of these different things and say, oh, yeah, I got that. Or in that area, I can say I'm healthy. And this one, yeah, that could use some work. Most likely, what you're going to find is, whoa, I've got a few things I can work on. and it. But the beauty of it is I have a known target. I have something that objectively I could say, if that got better, yeah, I could see how all of life would get better. So the first one is just no chronic aches and pains, right? To, if you live with a lot of daily pain, we could say that's not very healthy. How about a healthy body fat percentage, number two? Number three is good vision, shiny hair, and radiant skin. Number four, no trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. Number five, Having healthy esteem of self and others. Number six, having strong muscles and joints that work well. Number seven, energy for all required activities and a surplus for recreation. Number eight, rarely catching a cold and having no problem with allergies. Number nine, good memory and clear thinking and a strong ability to focus. Number 10, no digestive discomfort and experience daily comfortable elimination. Number 11, Participating in regular and spontaneous outbursts of humor and laughter. Number 12, free from unstable emotions and from intense cravings for food, drugs, or alcohol. Number 13, having good communication skills to express your innermost thoughts and feelings. And number 14, having the courage to be vulnerable and the wisdom to know where and when to do so. Right. Okay, so... First, how did you do? Was there anything on there where you thought, oh, yeah, I'm not nailing that one right now? For me, I look at that list and it challenges me to this day to say, "Ooh, am I growing in a real definition of health? Do I have markers of things I could improve? And truthfully, maybe rewind this and listen to them again. But you could take any one of those 14 and you could just say, oh, what could I do to move that area forward? How could I add some more health benefit to my overall body, to my life, by focusing on improving that. Where where would I aim myself? Who would I talk to? What would I do? And it gives you a target. You, say, you can say, oh, wait, hang on. That's actually doable. I could move the needle. And I, if, I can really see how if that got better, so many other parts of my life would get better. So now obviously, that's a lot of things to think about. So let me see if I can start to simplify this. So I heard Jim Rohn say many years ago that it doesn't really matter which aspect of life we're talking about, business, art, sport, dance, whatever we're talking about, if there's an area of life that you would like to get better at. In any given area of study there's or business, there's really there's about half a dozen, plus or minus, fundamental things that you have to be good at doing. So like in football, for example, it's blocking and tackling and catching and throwing. And the basic things you have to do, understanding the rules and the boundary markers, there's some things that once you get your head around, oh, these are the basics of what it takes to play that sport. Health is kind of the same way. There are fundamental things that we all have to do. That no one's really going to make a compelling argument for Eh, that's not relevant for health. And so what we we did many years ago, we stepped back and we said, okay, what are those things? Because that was part of what was what changed my health so dramatically. And if you go back and look at episode one or listen to that, you'll you'll realize, oh, that that's kind of where some of the genesis of these ideas came from. It's a recognition that there are things we all have to practice. And so Nina and I over the years have refined, we found Plus one of Jim Rohn's about a half dozen. So it's about seven fundamental things that nobody really argues with. These are all things we need to do in order to be healthy. And fighting them is just kind of like fighting the laws of physics. We we can be upset that they're part of a well-lived life, or we can say, what would it take for me to optimize them and get better at them? Knowing that if we do... Health gets better, so I'll give you those seven real quick. So the first one is just—it's fairly obvious. It's hydration and nutrition. If we don't have what we are ingesting down well, then we're going to have some problems with our health. Then there's exercise and movement, and those are—you know—really two different things. There's the exercise that's more focused, discipline and movement's just a representation of how much you move in life. Uh, number three is mind and emotions. It's the mental, emotional puzzle of what it takes to be well. Uh, Number four is stress management, which is it's not stress elimination, it's management, right? We're never going to live in a world where we don't have stressors. So how do we effectively implement strategies to manage those? Um, Number five is sleep, rest and play. It's various versions of downtime, but they're they're a little bit different, um, or significantly different, like sleep and play aren't the same thing. But they are a reflection that we, we can't cheat these things. We can't do more exercise to make up for not sleeping. We can't drink more water to make up for not sleeping. We can't out-exercise a crummy diet, right? So number six is restorative health care. And so that's kind of a recognition that at any point in life, some of us are going to have a reason to Need somebody else to help us put their hands on us to give us ways to empower our body to function better. And so I, I juxtapose restorative healthcare from the medical model or the conventional medicine model that we talked about in the last episode. And then uh, finally, we, you know, we have those first six, and then the seventh one is kind of this circle we drew around it, and it's really meaningful connection. It's it's the undergirding. It's back to that worldview question. It's the connections to. Understanding yourself, understanding other people, understanding God, understanding your place in the world, to feel like there's a meaningful connection between the elements of life that makes the effort to practice these disciplines worth it. All right. So again, to to mention what I said earlier, health is about doing a lot of little things right and doing them right over time. There's really not neutral in health. We're either building it and maintaining it or we're kind of eroding it slowly. And So as I've done this work, the longer I've gone on, the more I've realized that it is literally and fantastically hilariously impossible to separate the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual components of health. And so I don't I don't try to do that anymore. I try to look at the whole person, the whole human in front of me, and really start to triage what is actually going on with this person. So on, on the physical level, it may just be something simple as biological. It's the um, who knows what body burden they have got that is keeping them from being healthy and looking at the biological laws of physics and saying, are you drinking water? Are you stressed? Are you not exercising? Are you not sleeping? And often there's just something biological or it could be mental. It could be a level of, of buy-in that says, I believe in what I'm doing. I think this will work. I understand it. And I'm cognitively engaged in continuing to do this and working to forge the discipline to become better at that. Sometimes it's emotional, right? It's the perhaps the traumatic thing that happened to you in childhood, or it's a self-sabotaging behavior. It's this fierce inner critic, right? That tells you you should be ashamed of yourself. Or Who do you think you are to do that? Or you can't do all the thing. It's this voice inside your head that says you're not worthy. You're not adequate. You don't have what it takes. And it just constantly beats you up and tells you, you're not ever going to measure up, right? That, if and truthfully, that that one or the the fourth one, the worldview pieces, if those two, either one of them, are not well understood, they're they're often the biggest obstacle. And you can go through a hundred different tactical things to do for your health, and if you have a block emotionally or you have a worldview that can't hold water, right? It can't handle tough questions, and you have a really hard time with the why bother, what's the point, who cares type of questions, then you're going to get stuck. And often, I found if if I'm judging by the percentage of my time in coaching that goes toward those types of topics, to me, that tells me those are often the biggest obstacles or more commonly the things that have to be dealt with before the burden that that places on the body can be offloaded. And so if you're Thinking about health holistically, you can start to think in those categories and broaden your perspective beyond which specialist do I need to visit, which um, tactic, which lever, which habit do I need to forge more of, and you can start to see beyond just the physical things that have obvious or not so obvious biological ramifications and good arguments that it would be helpful. You can think beyond biochemistry and exercise and water and hydration and, and, and food, and you can think... Maybe some of this is I'm lonely or I'm bored or I'm frustrated or I'm overwhelmed or I don't feel significant. I don't feel like what I'm doing matters. And to realize that creates body burden, that creates an internal biological reality of what you tell yourself what is true and therefore your body manifests that. And until you deal with that upstream logjam, it's going to be really hard to actually move your health forward. So what a recognition like that can do for you is it just it can help you appreciate the non-universality of any given treatment or protocol that you have been through and recognize there's a uniqueness to you and to your circumstance, to your geography, where you live, your biology, your beliefs, your stresses, your family history, your diet, your lifestyle, those interrelated factors are why one thing works for your friend and something doesn't work for you or vice versa. There are so many individual realities to that. But if you can get back and zoom out to the basics, like, am I doing those well? Or are there things I know to do that I'm not doing? And if I'm not, then I can wrestle with the, the genuine question, why do I not do what I know to do? Why don't I feel like it? Where does my motivation go after two weeks? Like, Well, there are answers to that question. and And leaning into being curious as to where it goes and what cuts it out from under you often is the first variable in the equation to solve because once you've got, you start to get your head around that, it becomes much more easy to motivate you. And sometimes there's a lot of trauma and it takes a while to unpack or unpick. What exactly is this fly in the ointment? Where is this accuser showing up and just beating me up all the time? And the defense attorney that never gets a turn to speak up and say, hang on, that's kind of unfair. There's more context here. Or yeah, but at least he, she is trying, right? So recognize that you're unique and that there are so many interrelated parts of your story. And hopefully, you become fascinated looking at that puzzle and saying, ah, where can I get some leverage over this? Where can I go upstream, break the logjam? Where can I remove the toxic input that is poisoning my downstream results, right? Okay, so that's principle number two. So just for review, number one is none of us gets out of this alive. Number two is that health is about wholeness. And number three is to recognize that the body is the healer. And our job is to unburden and empower the body, right? If you get a paper cut. You don't have to coach that, of, you know, how it's going to heal and and really try to motivate it. It just knows what to do. The body's got an innate intelligence. It knows how to heal. And what that does is it takes some of the pressure off of us to geek out on every scientific this, that, or the other and try to understand the overwhelming complexity of biology and think that we're going to pull one lever and all of, the, all of our dreams will come true. The clouds will part and birds will sing and rainbows will appear in the sky and everyone will want to be our friend. There's more to it than just finding all sorts of things down the wheat. So if I could boil down health to you to the simplest way I can describe it, really, it's what I, what I said in that principle, the body's the healer, and our job is to unburden it and empower it. So you can think about those as kind of two sides of a balancing scale, or you can think of this bucket, right? You've got a bucket of body burden of how much burden your body can handle. And your job is to empower the body to one, reduce the number of inputs that create burden, and two, to empower... The systems of your body to function with more efficiency, to empower your purging systems to offload whatever that biochemical, emotional, relational stress is that comes into your bucket. And what that does is it can simplify the process of looking for where to get leverage, right? So, a simple example like there, I had a client who has, you know, diabetic, had high A1C levels. He's actually, there's a testimony on our website if you want to go hear him tell his story. His name's John, but he had um, high levels of. A1C, or it's a marker if you know what A1C is, it's just a marker for high blood sugar. And one of the most obvious things, as I, as I kind of did his intake, I realized, this guy's drinking Diet Mountain Dew like it's his job. And his doctor, I mean, how long has this been going on? And his doctor had no clue that aspartame, that artificial sweeteners, have as much or more impact on blood sugar than sugar. All I did was take him off of Diet Mountain Dew, and his A1C went down dramatically. And to the befuddlement of his doctor who just couldn't believe that that had anything to do with it. It's there's, That was an obvious source of burden. And we took one of them off and his body got significantly better. And then we looked more closely at his sleep. I, I can't get somebody well if they don't sleep. And so one of the big things was looking at the routine he was in where he had to get up at some ungodly hour in the morning and it cut into his sleep that was already interrupted. It forced him to take naps during the day. And we just had to think on What would it take for this habit, this tendency or this routine to be different? How would we create the scenario by which your body can finish sleeping and doesn't get interrupted so much? And in changing that, he made significant health gains with two relatively simple sources of significant burden on his body, then we, every time we start layering on more empowering things that give the body, the body other ways it can heal. But if you can think about that from a more holistic perspective and realize, okay, there's things that burden my body and there's things that empower it to do. How can I tip the scales more so in the favor of empowerment and reduce the sources of burden. That is the simplest way to start making significant gains with your health. So to put a a finer point or a more nuanced point to this, another mistake I see people make when they come to trying to get healthy, is they, they kind of bounce from thing to thing to thing. I tried this and it didn't work, and then I tried that and it didn't work. I tried this diet and that diet. I went to a chiropractor and then went to an acupuncturist, and I went to a massage therapist, I went to a counselor, and I did an elimination diet and a food sensitivity test, and it's just this list of things they did. And in reality, there was there was a lot of sequencing going on. They went from I would did this thing and then I stopped doing that thing and then I did this thing and recognized that there's there's obvious finance and there's Bandwidth issues and how many things you can do, but it, one of the secrets to getting well is, is thinking of it as stacking, not just sequencing. And more specifically, can you sustainably stack good habits and not be looking for silver bullet solutions? Right, that's kind of the that's the sequencing part. That's the going from one thing to the next: the medical to alternative to coaching to whatever, and you just try the gamut, but you never tried several things at once because health is built like we said before it's about wholeness it's about a lot of factors coming together at once to produce health and if we can think sustainable stacking of okay i've kind of i i've got a morning routine that's actually benefiting my health i've got an evening routine that winds me down while i'm getting to bed on time okay now what other habit can i put can i can i be better about my hydration then you get that on autopilot and then can i get my diet in order and and 80, 90% of the time be great with my diet? And then can I squeeze in a movement or walking habit or exercise? And can I invest in my relationships? And as you start stacking these, it's you're unburdening your body. You're empowering so many things to work better. So if you've been frustrated by bouncing f- from a few things, step back and say, Are, what situations could I create where I could stack some things and let the compound effect or the synergistic effect of those create a buoying effect on my health that I was otherwise missing. Because a common journey that people will have is they'll, they'll get to a point where they're frustrated, that I can't take it anymore, this is embarrassing, or I, it just hurts too much to not do something. We get to this desperate place where ugh, the pain of the status quo is worse than worse than the pain of trying. And so we're, we're willing to try something, right? And often what happens is we just get to that frustrated moment, we make a concerted effort, we climb, we make some health gains, and then we plateau. And most people get frustrated at the plateau cuz you'll you'll embark on something it takes you a little ways and then it it kind of peter's out and what you're experiencing when that happens is you've you've gotten about as far as whatever that new thing was will take you and without a stacking approach without recognizing that oh okay to to make another climb what else could i stack what lifestyle changes what sustainable things could i incorporate so that i can make the next climb what most people do is they climb plateau get frustrated and they try to double, often they'll double down on it. I cut my calories back by 500. Let's cut them back by 1,000. Let's see how low I can get them and force my body to do this thing and lose the weight. And, you know, the greatest example that we have in recent history of doing that was the show, The Biggest Loser, right? They take what they call them contestants, they put people in a competition to see how fast you could lose the weight, and you get to be called the biggest loser. And these people would lose 100 pounds in a matter of months. And, they In reality, you follow up with these people, almost all of them have gained back all the weight they lost and more than what they lost. Major climb, major disappointment, right? It's it, The biggest loser was kind of the, the biological equivalent to winning the lottery, right? The, you may know the statistics on people who win the lottery. About 70% of them go broke, and about a third of them file bankruptcy, right? The, it's people who have come into money all of a sudden, have no idea how to handle it, and They've never gone through the journey of figuring out how to be an effective manager of money, how to be a, an investor, how to save, how to do the basics with wealth. It's probably why they're playing the lottery in the first place, right? The people who win typically slide right back down the mountain. The same thing happens when we make rapid health gains. You know, it's just shortcuts of, you know, surgeries often is that. And I've had three or four clients who've come to me after they've had a big surgery, lost a lot of weight and put it back on. Because they didn't become the kind of person who developed a lifestyle to sustain those kinds of gains. and if you can think sustainable stacking, you can start thinking, oh what how do I start to build a holistic lifestyle that looks at life from a what is a successful, meaningful multifaceted definition of success and you can incrementally build a lifestyle it it gets easier and easier to do this, and you don't have to try to biohack or life hack or mind hack or while I'm on it like, look up the word hack in the dictionary and you're you're not going to find a positive association you've got like cut or mutilate or forcefully cough or sneak into something you're not supposed to be there like if we're approaching our body with a hacking mindset i'm going to tinker with my biology and force my body to do something or i'm going to take shortcuts I think we're already losing. It's similar to having the idea of a cheat day. Like, in what context does cheating have virtue attached to it? Right? It's like you can cheat on your wife. You gonna cheat on your taxes. You gonna cheat on a test. And if we can remove cheat and hack from our vocabulary, and we can think more like stewardship, we can think like a gardener tending a garden. Uh, one of the th- things I've said to people over the years that seems to help them get into this headspace is to realize that your body is not fighting you. It is not your nemesis. If you're not getting well, it's not your stupid body. Why is it fight me? Why doesn't it do what I want it to do? No, your body is your ally. Your body is desperately trying to communicate to you as feedback of what you're doing and how well it's working. And your the, the language it speaks isn't English. It is sensations. It's symptoms. It is ways that it says, I'm tired, I'm lonely, I'm stressed, I'm Not sleeping well, my gut feels off, my joints ache. That's your body's communication language. That is the feedback. And despite what you have done to it over the years, it is still here. It is showing up for you, doing its best to work around everything you've thrown at it the late nights and the crappy food and the alcohol and the drugs and the who knows what else. It has gotten through that and it's still here. It's still fighting and it's still trying to communicate to you. And the aches and pains or twists and turns in your journey that haven't gone how you wanted, that's your body communicating, saying, hey, I appreciate what you're doing, but this is how this is impacting us. And it's encouraging you to find a different way. And when you start developing that level of kindness toward your body, everything gets so much, you turn the emotional temperature down and you start to say, oh, thank you, my body for that feedback. You step on the scale and it didn't go the way you wanted and you go, oh, okay, data point. Rather than, oh, my gosh, nothing's working. What's wrong with me? I knew it. And you can let go of that because it's a data point. It's saying, so far, the compound effect of where we are today and the choices from yesterday in the last week or whatever since you stepped on it are that that didn't go that direction. And the the challenge with stepping on a scale is can we zoom out and know that any given day today, it's going to go up and down a little bit. And we want to be able to see it over time and look at it more holistically. So with that, like the way that we have boiled down by now, you can probably go, okay, I can see where humans are complicated. There's a lot going on here when you're trying to get well. So the method that we have teased out over the years of how we do this. And so I I give it to you. Hopefully this will give you some, a simpler framework to say, ah, where can I think differently about the puzzle of my health? to where I can get some leverage over it. So the, the phrase we came up with was holistic triage. And so for us, triage is basically, if you don't know, you go to the hospital and they they're you, you manifest with some sort of weird symptom and they're trying to triage. They're trying to figure out what do we think is going on here and what do we guess is the most appropriate intervention we can put on the table to help this person get out of that situation. So with holistic triage, we're, trying, we're looking at the whole human. We're looking at all of who you are, and we're trying to inventory what are the things that are creating the most struggle? Where could we move the fulcrum, or several of them, and to get more leverage over this unburden and empower puzzle? And so for us, there's, we boiled it down to three things that you can think of this kind of as an over as a venn diagram with three overlapping circles right there's biology there's psychology and there's context and if you can just play in that realm if you can triage those three things okay is this an obvious biology thing like the diet mountain dew or the i'm not sleeping enough like is there some biological impediment to that is fixable that i could just change am i am i not being disciplined with the things i already know to do And trying to get well without exercising, without going for walks, without sleeping well, without putting myself to bed on time and dealing with my negative thoughts. Like If you can understand, okay, hang on, there's some biology here that's relevant, but it might not be that my gut is the problem. Maybe that my emotions are the problem, right? It's a Venn diagram because they overlapped intentionally, right? So the psychology element is the mind and emotions. It's the stories you're telling yourself about what's working and what's not. And if you don't know the power of the placebo effect or how... Dramatically, your thoughts literally impact your biology and shape it, and tell your body to hold on to weight or not, or to lose weight, and on and on. That is often where I spend the most time, is in the the narrative storytelling we've done around our health, what it means, who we are, our place in this world, what our relationships are like, and the hope we have for a better life. If if that one is not working well, it really doesn't matter which tactical lever you pull. And then the third piece is context, right? It's the what life do you live? How many kids do you have? How old are you? What Do you have, live someplace where you get sunshine? What ambitions do you have? How many things can make claims on your time? And the contextual puzzle is often one of the easier ways to say, oh, well, shoot, if we reevaluate the priorities and, and reduce the number of things that can make claims on your time, and we have a gracious exit for some of those... We can actually start to move the needle because we have more time freed up to work on you. And so it's really that puzzle, and I don't bother trying to separate them anymore, but if you can think in those three areas, biology, psychology, and context, you can start to get your head around, oh, wait, the the contextual issue or the psychological issue is really more the upstream block that's keeping me from being able to deal with and move the needle on my physical health. You've started to get leverage over... Where you are, we started to find where you have leverage to move yourself and your health and your life forward toward a more holistic view of success, right? Okay, so those are kind of my, I guess you'd say, first principles, my three first principles that really have helped me over the years. Look at a whole human and appreciate the breadth of what we're attempting to accomplish and to look for where we can actually move the needle. So um, I guess in summary, there was a a Jim Rohn quote many years ago. He said, business is a self-development course disguised as a way to make money. (laughs) Being in business for as long as I have, I can appreciate the wisdom of that. And so I've kind of made my own version of it. But I would say that health is a self-development course or health coaching in this for what I do is is a self-development course disguised as a way to look and feel better. And if you can appreciate that when you go to work on actually genuinely building health, when you go to work on building a lifestyle that undergirds a well-lived life to where your bucket really never gets full. It it you've created a lifestyle where the burden has been reduced and the empowering things that you can do to help your body function optimally are just regular habits that are on autopilot you don't think about. You don't really have to spend that much time focusing on health. You just get to enjoy it. And then you go about your life. But to get to that point, what you end up having to face are all of the, I don't want to, I'm not sure I want to make this trade-off. What does he or she think about me? What is this going to do to my social status? What if I don't have enough time for that? And those are the puzzles. They're the self-development course that you take on the effort to get healthy. It will bring up, if you let it, the trade-offs you need to make, and the values of what you really want your life to be about. And if you're willing to wrestle with those, oh my gosh, you can enjoy such a better life. So recognize that that's really part of what getting healthy is. And so yes, still try to do a lot of different things. Do it with fascination. Go be curious and run experiments and get feedback of all the different disciplines that have something to offer you. Just don't put all your eggs in that basket as the thing to do. Take your curious mind and look for the tipping point. When do I get to the point where I've unburdened enough and empowered my body to where you start to go, whoa, I haven't had a headache in Oh wow, I can't remember the last time I had a headache. My gut doesn't hurt anymore. Now that you mention it, I am sleeping better and my joints don't hurt, and I have been able to run faster or further or longer or whatever. Those different things you'll you'll they'll naturally start to happen and you'll forget how bad you used to feel. But there is a tipping point, and it comes from having a curious mind where you see your body as your ally, you thank it for the feedback it's giving you, and you say, mm, okay. That's a data point. Let me go see what I can do with it. And let me just keep running experiments. Let me keep doubling down on the things I know I have to do to be well. And after I've done that, what you do is you you get to stop making perfect the enemy of better. You get to iterate. You get to take the pressure off yourself to nail it. And this is going to be the time. And now I'm going to run an experiment and see how far this takes me and what I can learn about myself. I'm going to lean into a self-development course not a biohack, not a mind hack, not a schedule hack, and try to just squeeze more out of this life that's a little unreasonable to try to squeeze, right? That funny story, I had a client, she was really, you know, working hard about this particular area of life, really trying to control things and, and move it forward. And I somehow came up with a phrase, I said, what I don't want you to do here is try to squeeze jello, right? The the more you squeeze jello, the more what you're trying to have accomplished slips through your fingertips. The harder you squeeze it, and so next coaching session, I, I come on Zoom and the first thing I see on the screen is it's a chalkboard and she wrote on it, "Don't squeeze the jello," which for her became a motto of like. Maybe don't take yourself to darn seriously all the time and, and stop trying to control things and just be fascinated and humble and see what I can learn about this process of trying to get better. And so if that's meaningful to you, don't squeeze the jello so much. Have a curious mind. Go run some experiments. See what feedback your body gives you and double down on what you know you need to do. And if you can't figure out how to get leverage over that, that becomes the variable in the equation to solve. And we look at the mental emotional puzzle, right? So one other visual I'll give you that may be helpful is to just take some of the pressure off you to have to figure it all out is just imagine a giant wall chart. You've taken up a whole wall and you've got all the months of the year mapped out with all the days on there. And let's say you just put a red dot on there every time you exercise, every time you drank water, or every time you went for a walk or connected with a friend or whatever seems to be the meaningful habit. If you could look at that wall chart, and realize, you overlay, let's say, the next 12 months with the past 12 months. Do you see more red dots on there? Do you see an improvement? Do you see a trajectory of trending well? And if not, then we have different questions to ask. But if you can say legitimately, no, I've, I've done more positive habits the last 12 months than the previous. Okay, well, shoot. Then you are making progress, and you get to trust the compound effect, and you can look for, is there any other place I could speed up my leverage? Is there a more aggressive way I could pay back this health debt? if I learned something new. So hopefully you can take that kind of mindset into your next whatever way that you're looking to improve your health and you can say, well, shoot, that's a kinder, more methodical, strategic, holistic way to approach my health. So, okay, there you have today's episode. That's my perspective on this thing called health and healing. So what principles did I miss? What things did you learn? What have been some of the helpful turning points in your own thinking that may have unlocked better health for you or more peace of mind on your journey, helped you feel more centered and grounded as you have gone about this journey of trying to get healthy. So I would love to hear that, genuinely. So uh, leave me a comment, write me a review, send me an email, christian at human.com I always love learning from other people and being stretched by their perspective as well. And so uh, if you're in the market for a coach or if you're looking for some first principles, to build your health foundation, you check out our memberships. We really have have taken this first principle approach to nutrition and cooking and fasting and exercise and and more. And we've given you ways to think about the operating system of health to rest, okay, I'm building my strategy on a solid foundation now. And that's just self-study courses you can take or there's for memberships you can actually interact with us a couple hours a month. So if that's appealing, check that out or you can book a consultation if you're interested in being a personal coaching client. You can check that out on our website, truewholehuman.com consultation and I'd be happy to chat. So that is it for today's episode. I hope you found that helpful. I would love your feedback and a review if you've got one. So you go make it a great day and I'll look forward to speaking with you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Deconstructing Conventional Podcast. If you could use a coach in your corner, check out our membership offerings and personal coaching options at truewholehuman.com. To stay current with our latest episodes and offerings, subscribe to our newsletter. And if you want to keep the conversation going or suggest a guest or podcast topic, visit us on our free speech-friendly social channel, truewholehuman.social. I'll see you in the next episode.